show tonight. Good. Awesome. Um, so as Kelly said, this is the Hands and Feet series. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, God's call on our life to basically be his hands and feet through our loving uh, acts of service to other people. And Brian Moorhead uh, talked to us last week about practically what that looks like. Um, but the bummer is this is the last week in this series. Um, next week, we kick off a brand new series. You guys want to know what that is? Yeah? yeah? Should I tell them? I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them. We'll wait for maybe the benediction. Yeah. Uh, just come back next week. Kelly's going to kick it off. Uh, it'll be good. We're going to be talking about Jesus and stuff. Um, isn't that good? Doesn't that sound good? Jesus and stuff? Maybe that is the name of the series. Anyway, um, okay, so totally like other direction. Uh, the last few weeks, it seems like it's been back-to-back-to-back weddings uh, that I've been to. Like, and it's, it's kind of cool, like, all these weddings, uh, a lot of times uh, the preacher or the, the pastor who's doing the service tells a story of how they got together and the proposal and all that sort of stuff, um, which reminded me of my proposal. You guys want to hear how I proposed? Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you said yes. Um, anyway, so it, it, it started as you might expect with an elaborate set of lies, because that's how proposals usually start, right? Like, what's the best way to start a marriage than on a foundation of lies? So, um, so I got my friend, John Shapiro, uh, and his, at that point, serious girlfriend, Stevie, uh, in on it. Um, and we came up with this elaborate plan. Basically, what would happen would be that uh, John was going to do a fake engagement. He was going to fake propose to his girlfriend, right? But I knew, like, if this was, like, an overnight thing, like, I just told... Amelia, which is the name of my wife, um, hey, John's proposing. Like, that would be really fishy. So uh, the lies started months in advance. Like, five months before it even happened, I told Amelia that, hey, like, John is, like, he's saving up money. Like, he's looking at rings and stuff. Um, Three months before I proposed, um, I told her that John finally bought a ring. And then a few weeks before, I told her that John asked us to be a part of the engagement. It was like such an honor. Um, so about the week before, yeah, five months of lying. Um, anyway, so uh, about a week before, stuff gets real, right? Like the weekend uh, before, John calls me up, and he's like, hey, like, can you guys come over? Like, I want to talk to you guys about the plans and the details and all that stuff for my engagement. And I'm like, yes, we will be there. So we go over to talk to him, and he, he lays out this elaborate engagement plan. Right? which is all fake. Um, and I was like, yeah, like, he's like, will you help? And I was like, yes. I was like, yes, we're good to go. Well, that was sort of like the tipping point for Amelia. Um, not in the sense that, like, she finally caught on, but, like, in the sense that, like, it finally became too real for her. Um, and on the way home, she started just crying her eyes out. Um, guys, have you ever made a girl so mad that she, like, cries? Yes, okay, so that's, <clears throat> so that is, uh, so that is, uh, that's what happened. <laughs> you should find new friends. Um, anyway, so, so she's so mad, she's crying, she's like, how come she's getting married, we've been dating for so long, we aren't engaged, I'm so mad at you, John is being a man, John is stepping it up, why can't you step it up? And she's like, I want to go home, just take me home. Um, 
And on the inside, I'm like, Waz, now is not the time to defend your pride. Just bite your tongue. Because I could have been like, you know what? This whole thing was for you. And like ruined the whole thing. But I didn't do that. um, Because I had like the bigger picture in mind, right? Um, So... Uh, the next week, we're driving up to Santa Barbara, where I propose, and the same thing happens. Like, she cries the whole time on the way up there. Uh, but this time, not because she's mad, but, like, this time she's actually sad. And I can't help but kind of, like, laugh. Because um, I know, like, what's, what's going to happen. Uh, and she's like, uh, and I'm like, don't worry, babe. Like, your time is coming soon. Like, it's coming really soon. Um, and she's like, why are you laughing? You're so mean. So anyway, we show up at the spot, and we, like, set up everything for John's engagement, like a blanket and, like, flowers and candles and all that stuff, like, far away. Um, and, and we set all that up, and then she spots Mikey Madison kind of hiding uh, in the corner with his camera, ready to take pictures. And um, she's like, like, why is Mikey so far away? Like, the engagement's, like, all the way over there. And I'm like, well, it's because he has, like, a far lens thing. Um, <clears throat> he has a good, good camera. Um, he doesn't want to get spotted. Um, so she thinks, she thinks nothing of it. Um, and a few moments later, I get down on one knee, and I say to her, um, actually, I'll, just, I'll save that one for another day, what I say. But, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll hear it, maybe not. Anyway, so, uh, so here's the thing. Amelia was just so distracted right? She missed what was right in front of her. Like, all these things, like, distracting her. Well, I I intentionally, like, distracted her, so maybe that's not fair. Uh, But she missed the fact that was so obvious to everybody else that I was proposing, right? And I bring that up because the Christian life is often like that, right? We get so busy and distracted, and we lose sight of what's really going on. Um, And the fact is, like, we get busy with church, and we get busy uh, with church on Sunday mornings, church on Sunday nights, uh, life group, um, Bible study, service. Like, we get really busy with service, right? Like, serving in wildlife, serving uh, with kids, serving uh, at SOMA on Sunday nights, serving on campus with Love CSUN, serving service projects um, in the community, whatever. So, like, there's all these kinds of service and opportunities to serve, And our schedule can get super packed with it. So my question tonight is, is it possible to lose sight of what matters most when doing things that really matter, actually do matter, like service? Right? Is it possible? And I'm I'm sure some of you in here have experienced that. And how do we get back on track to focus on what really matters? So hopefully tonight we'll get some more clarity on that. But uh, first let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we uh, just thank you that you are here with us. God, we thank you that we get to meet with you um, every Sunday night. Lord, we get to meet with you all the time, Lord, but we uh, get to meet with you together with our brothers and sisters, Lord, and we're just so thankful for that. Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to meet us, that you continue uh, to speak to us, and that you would continue to reveal more of yourself and more of your heart for us tonight. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I have a question. Growing up, how many of you had that one friend's house where, like, everybody just knew, like, it was the place to chill, right? Probably most of us, right? Like, their parents were always the best. Like, they always made, like, awesome snacks. They're like, hey, I made pizza bagels or, like, Totina's pizza rolls or whatever. Um, At least that was, was, like, 
what I wanted other people's parents to make for me. Uh, anyway, so like, um, you always wanted to be there, stuff to do, there's always food, cookies, snacks, all sorts of stuff. Um, so Jesus had one of those places, right? Like, except, obviously, like, mom didn't bring out pizza bagel. She brought out, what, like, matzo balls and gefilte fish or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, like, da- well, probably like dates. Ask Kelly. Ask Kelly what a Jewish snack is. Um, hummus. Um, we'll bring out hummus and pita and stuff. Anyway, so, um, so Jesus had one of those places, right? And this spot was actually in Bethany um, where some of his really good friends lived. Uh, actually, his friends were Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And he knew that, like, whenever he needed to, like, chill and rest and kind of just um, have a bomb meal and just, like, relax, like, he could go to this place. So one day, Jesus is traveling on the road, uh, and he stops uh, through Bethany, and Martha, who's kind of like the, I don't know what you would call her, like, she's like the team mom, um, she, like, uh, she hears Jesus coming, and she, like, invites him over for a meal. Uh, so she wants to get a really good meal ready for him. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 38. <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible, it'll actually be on the screen or even on your note sheet. So Luke ten thirty-eight. Let's start at verse 38. And it says... As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. All right, so uh, we catch a super quick glimpse of who Martha is. Right? What, the best word to describe her is hospitality. Right? Like she's inviting, she's comforting, ready to take care of people. People feel loved uh, when they're with her. Uh, basically, like she embodies the attitude that we at Soma want to have. Like, we want to be an inviting, open community where people feel like they can belong. So, like, that's Martha. Like, all about hospitality. Uh, Then we're introduced to her sister, verse 39. And it says, She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. We get a picture of Mary, and what's interesting about Mary is her posture. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. Um, and in her culture, this was sort of the typical posture of a disciple to their rabbi, right? Which you think, like, obviously, like, she would want to be sitting at the rabbi's feet, like, learning. Well, the thing was, in case you were confused, Mary is a woman. Um, surprise, right? In her day, actually, it was rather unheard of for a woman to almost take, like, a disciple role at a rabbi's feet. It wasn't illegal, but it was really just unheard of. Um, a few centuries later, it would actually become illegal in Judaism to the point where uh, the rabbis would say that it's better to burn the Torah than to let a woman read it. Um, so this is like crazy, right? But it's crazy cool that Jesus is sort of breaking down these barriers, uh, these gender uh, barriers, where women can actually become full-fledged disciples. Which aren't you ladies grateful <laughs> for that, right? Um, so this was revolutionary. Okay, like, so far, so good. Martha, all about hospitality. Uh, Mary is a really good disciple. Everything's awesome. And then comes verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And it all sort of starts to go 
downhill from there. Martha starts complaining. Jesus, this isn't fair. I'm slaving in the kitchen over these pots and pans. I'm like making the best meal you ever had. And then there are some people in this house who are lazy. They sit around all day, do nothing. Can you tell those people to do something? Right? And what what does Jesus say? How does he respond? Well, he says, Martha, Martha, I always think of the Brady Bunch episode where she's like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I think Jesus is saying that. Um, anyway, uh, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what's the one thing that's necessary? Is, is he saying, Martha, your dinner is too elaborate. Your plans are too big. You're making too many dishes. All I wanted were some pizza bagels. Just one thing, Martha. One thing. No, right? That's not what he's saying. Because whatever that one thing is, Mary chose that one thing. So what is it? We'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. Um, <clears throat> but first, uh, I actually want to highlight some stuff uh, in this story for us that's really just practical. Because the truth is, like, we can talk about being hands and feet all day long. We can talk about uh, how we need to do that, how there are all these needs out there, how there's injustice in the world that needs to be addressed, how there's people groups who've never heard the gospel that need to be preached to, how there are actually even people who come here on a Sunday night that need to be invited and made felt at home. Um, They just need to be loved. Like, there are all these needs, Right? And we can talk about the call to be the hands and feet all day long. But the fact is, most of us in here probably already know that we need to serve. Right? But the problem is practical. The problem isn't, why should I serve? Because we already know why. The problem is, how do I serve? Or where should I serve? Or how do I stay motivated to serve? But I actually want to address a different problem. I want to address the temptation of service. Yeah, temptation, which is really weird to talk about temptation and service. Because usually we think about temptation in, like, a different way. Like, we think of, like, evil, like, terrible things, right? Like some creepy guy in a trench coat in the corner, like, hey, man, like, you want to buy some weed? Or, like, the person of your dreams being like, oh, come to bed with me. Or, like, that, that one guy who, like, tries to sell you the final um, exam answers. And it's like, that's actually tempting, Right? Like all these temptations, like they're evil, scary, like sort of things. Um, when I think about temptation, I normally just think about food. Like that's, that's my thing. Like stone fire, wood ranch, you put a basket of bread in front of me, and I am tempted to just like eat the whole thing. Um, like it's over, it's done. Bring out the bread, and it's done. Like I turn into Oprah uh, in that moment. You guys know what I mean? You guys know what I mean? I, I knew some of you didn't. So um, go ahead and take a look at the screen. <laughs> to see what I mean. Bread every day, because I love bread. Just manage it. Um, Yeah, like bread is tempting. Like, why else do you think the devil tempted Jesus with bread? Right? Um, yeah, because it's so good. You know, like, obviously he didn't, he didn't give in. Like, me, like, I don't know. Like, if the devil was like, 
here's some bread. I would honestly be like, what kind of bread? Like, what kind of bread? What kind of bread are you talking about? Um, oh, and if he was like, well, it's, um, it's whole wheat rye. I'd be like, get behind me, Satan. Whole wheat rye, no, no temptation. Garlic bread, different story. Maybe, hopefully. Like, let's pray, pray for me that um, that never happens. Anyway, so, um, what was I saying? Temptation, um, temptation and service, right? Like, you can be tempted in service. Uh, and in this story, we see at least three temptations that come in service. So I want to point out, point them out. Uh, the first temptation uh, is what I call the me trap. It's basically the temptation to make service all about me. Make service all about me. <clears throat> and we see Martha fall into this. Right? Like she, she starts out great. Jesus is coming to town. She really wants to do the right thing, serve him well. She's working hard to serve him. She's doing all this work. And then she realizes, she's like, hey, like I'm the only one doing anything. Why isn't anybody else helping? Like, why isn't anyone else doing about anything about this? And then she starts getting upset. She's like, look at Mary over there. Like, she should be serving Jesus. But no, like, she's just sitting at Jesus' feet. Like, oh, Jesus, you're so great. Like, your words, like, they're, they're great. Like, you have all the best words, Jesus. And, and, and if she really thought that Jesus, Mary's, Martha's probably like, if she really thought Jesus was great, like, she would be serving him. She wouldn't just be sitting there listening to him. And then she's like, this is enough. So she marches over to Jesus and starts complaining. It's like, I do all the work around here. Can't you tell somebody else to help? And I'll be honest, like, this, actually, all of these temptations um, are temptations that I face. Like, and honestly, I'm preaching to myself because um, I've walked through one of these or another uh, at some point. Um, so I can resonate a lot with her. So uh, a few years ago, I, a lot of years ago, I used to serve at Wildlife, our junior high ministry here at Rocky Peak. Woo, yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, me serving with kids? Like, who would ever thought that, right? Um, anyway, so, like, um, I remember one night, uh, we were cleaning up. I was cleaning up. Um, so, like, it was this, like, elaborate game, right? This huge game, like, tournament series-style games, um, which was sort of like every week back then. Um, and it was time to clean up, and I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'll help. Like, there's a need. I'll go help and do that. Like, I want to serve. Um, well, guess who ends up being the only one cleaning up? Me. Right? Everybody's hanging out. They're talking. Like, they're all laughing. And who's the only one doing any work? Me. Right? So I start out fine. It's like, yeah, I love helping. Like, there's a need that I can meet. Right? And all of a sudden... As soon as I'm the only one doing anything, I start to get real bitter real quick. It's like these, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to mumble angry words without accidentally saying something bad. So these people, um, good for nothing, lazy um, adjectives. All of a sudden, <clears throat> all of a sudden, uh, my service became less about actually serving and more about what I was doing. That's a trap we can all fall into. When we start out with good intentions and then make things about ourselves. Uh, a second temptation is to get high and mighty about what we're doing. Right? The temptation to start comparing. It's a temptation to start comparing. It, you know, in this story, it's really subtle, but Martha thinks what she's doing is more important than what Mary's doing. The reality is human tendency is to think that whatever we're into 
is what really matters. Right? We do this with all kinds of things, like movies, right? It's like, oh my gosh, did you see La La Land? You don't like it? You have no taste in film. Um, what? Like, you don't recycle? Like, you don't care about the earth? Like, I recycle everything. My shoes are recycled. Or, or like, even Christian things, right? Like, oh, you listen to Hillsong? Like, what are you, from, like, the 2000s? Like, there's this little band called Bethel. Um, that is, like, the thing right now. Kim Walker-Smith comes on, and I'm like, oh. Um, Holy Spirit time. Um, yeah, she's a part of the whole Jesus culture thing. She's OG. Yeah, that's like 2000s, Bethel. Um, anyway, How He Loves. Yeah, it's a, it's a bomb album. Okay, anyway, so like, um, uh, we can do that about all sorts of things, right? There's this pastor I listened to, Alistair Begg. Um, he's a Scottish guy, which is really cool to listen to Scottish people because uh, that Scottish accent either makes you sound really smart or drunk. Like, and go either way. Um, but this guy sounds smart. So he tells this story of a time he was hanging out with some pastor friends when he had recently come from Scotland. Uh, and one of the pastors asked him, they're like, hey, so like, what's your thing? He's like, what do you mean? Like, what's my thing? And he's like, yeah, like, what's your thing? You know, all pastors like have a thing. Some are about like social justice. Some are about missions or worship experiences. Some are about making church artsy. Like, what's your thing? And he's like, um, I guess if I had to have a thing, I guess it's like preaching the Bible. Um, but truth is, um, we all have things, right? And that's okay. Like, it's okay to have a thing that you're into. Um, the problem is when you start thinking that your thing matters more to God than somebody else's thing. And that's what Martha was doing. My thing, service, is more important than her thing, chilling with Jesus, Right, we can start thinking that way too. Like, I do missions. I'm willing to go to Africa or Asia or Mexico or whatever. These people over here, they're doing first impressions. It's like not even sacrifice. Right? Like, I am a life group leader. I make sure people grow in Christ. I'm like there for them when their lives break down, when they're crying, two o'clock in the morning. Who's answering the phone? Me, that's like real service. Photo team, it's like a glorified hobby. Right? I mean, slipping into that sort of temptation not only puffs you up, right? It diminishes other people. And more importantly, it prevents other people from stepping out and serving in the way God designed them. Right? So who are you to say that your way of service is what's best? Who are you to say that you get to decide what God actually needs most? Like you can't. But there's a temptation to do that. Right? And there's another temptation. This is probably the most dangerous one. The last one. It's a temptation to serve and forget about Jesus. Have you ever had a friend who asked you to hang out, um, and next thing you know, they're like off doing something else? Right? Like, hey, come on over. Like, uh, come chill. It's like, I got to do some homework. Like, you show up, and they're like, I got to do some homework. You just wait a little bit. Or like, hey, come over to my place. Like, let's, let's do something. And they're like, oh, wait, I, I forgot. I have to run some errands. I'll be back in a few hours. Like, you can just chill here. Um, I'll be back. So what do you do? I don't know. Like, raid the fridge. Take a nap. Um, but it sucks. Like, your friend, like, is like, hey, come over. And then 
you got actually don't even hang out. And Martha sort of does that, right? She, she invites Jesus over to her home, and then she starts neglecting him. She starts making this elaborate meal for him, but like doesn't even pay attention to him when he's there. Right? Martha shows us really something really important. She shows us how easy it is to forget Christ himself is more important than what we do for Christ. Right? It, it's, it's too easy to get all busy serving Jesus and actually end up forgetting about Jesus. Confession time again. Um, <clears throat> this is really easy for me, and in all honesty, um, talking to different pastors and people in ministry, like this is a tempta- huge temptation for most people. People in ministry uh, get so busy serving, prepping messages, going to meetings, being at life groups, doing all kinds of Christian things, that we end up squeezing Jesus out of our schedule. For example, this Thursday I was at school. Um, I was at school, and because I have, like, four jobs, it's really hard um, to find work, time to work on messages like this one. And so, like, I try to manage my time really well, but my, t- my schedule's really tight. Like, I have a very tight schedule. Like, my pants are three sizes too small tight. Like, Thanksgiving dinner should have brought the sweatpants tight. Um, that kind of tight. So I'm sitting at school, and I'm working on my message because it's, like, um, I have, like, a 40-minute chunk of free time to devote uh, in this, this time period. Um, and then some guy, like, walks over, and he starts having a conversation with me. And I use that term loosely, conversation. Uh, first off, because there was only one person conversing. Uh, and second off, because I have no idea what he was saying uh, to me. But this guy basically ends up taking my 40 minutes of time. He just, like, eats up the whole chunk of time. But it's okay, because, like, I have 30 minutes later in the day that I can use. Um, well, I go to a meeting, and then next thing I know, 30 minutes turns into 15 minutes. So I sit down to work, and then I remember that I had told the Lord that I was going to go spend some time with him in the prayer garden before I left school. But I only have 15 minutes to work, so what am I going to do for these 15 minutes? Am I going to do something that serves God? Or am I going to spend time with him? Like, this was my dilemma. Um, fact is, it's too easy to do things for God and end up ignoring God. I mean, thankfully, this time, I wouldn't say it every time, but this time I didn't give in. But the thing to remember in all of this is that Jesus doesn't need you to serve him. <clears throat> he doesn't need Martha to make him an elaborate meal. He doesn't need you on a service team. He doesn't need you on a mission trip. He doesn't need you to preach. He doesn't need anything from you. So if Jesus doesn't need your service, what does he want? It's really simple. Jesus doesn't need your service. He just wants you. That's all he wants. We see this in the story when he praises Mary. He says that she is choosing something better, something that cannot be taken away. What is that? Is that better thing serving? No. Like, what can't be taken away from you ever? Jesus, right? Jesus wants you to choose him over everything, including service, because he wants you. That's what the gospel says, right? That God so loved the world, that God so loved you, that he sent Jesus 
to rescue you, to wipe away your sins, to make you clean, all that so you could be in perfect relationship with him because he wants you. Right? God himself removed every barrier that stood in the way between you and him. Removing that barrier cost Jesus his life, but it was worth it because he wanted you. Right? The, these three temptations all make the mistake that Jesus wants your service, but he doesn't. Right? He wants you, and he's asking you to choose the one thing, which is him. All right, so practically speaking, what does it look like to choose that one thing? What does it look like? If all you had was this story, you would think that it means like sitting at Jesus' feet all day. Right? Like you get this picture of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, just hanging on his every word. And then you kind of could see Martha as like a bad guy, right? Like it's easy to think like Jesus would rather you spend time with him reading your Bible and praying and worshiping than serve. Like just off of this story, like you would think that. But that's not true because Jesus doesn't want either of those things from you. He doesn't want you to spend time with him. He doesn't want you to serve. He wants you. Right? Coming to know Jesus doesn't just come through the quiet times. Right? It comes through serving also. Let me give you an example. Um, my daughter Shiloh, um, whenever I get a chance to show a picture of her, I will. So Shiloh um, just turned one. And Shiloh's a baby, so she just loves playing. Um, so whenever we're at home, like, we're playing, we're reading. She loves to, like, hold books and look at them, um, just like her daddy. Uh, so hanging uh, out, like, that's what we do. We just chill. Um, and so she sees, like, a certain side of me. Like, when I'm at home, like, I'm daddy, like, that chills and hangs out and plays and has fun. Um, but that's not the whole me, right? To get a complete picture of me, of her dad, she needs to do other things that her dad does. Obviously, right now she can't. Um, but if she wanted to see another side of me, like she would come to work with me, right? And she'd see a different side. And it would be different if she actually didn't just come to work with me, but she actually worked alongside of me. She would experience a new side of who I am, of her dad, of her father. Right? The same thing is true with Jesus. Like if you want a bigger picture of who Jesus is. You can't just sit around and play with him all day. Like, that's great. Like, you're going to get to know that side of him. You need to go to work with him. Like, if you want to experience another sides of God's presence, you need to, if you want to be with Jesus, you need to ask, where is Jesus right now? Well, the fact is, like, Jesus is in your quiet times. But Jesus is also out there. Right? Jesus is out where ministry is happening. Jesus is out where service is going on. So the question is, do you desire that one thing? Or do you desire to be with Jesus? And if you do, it doesn't just mean sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary. It also involves serving. Right? So what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Um, I don't want to make you feel guilty. I don't want to be like, hey, like, you want to experience Jesus, go sign up for a service team or the worship band in the back. Um, but that opens up a new side of who God is for you. Um, and I just want to help you make your priorities straight, right? Because um, Jesus calls us to make him our priority. That's what he wants. 
But if your priorities aren't straight, I want to give you an opportunity to make that right. And right now the band uh, is going to go ahead and uh, come up. Um, the band is going to go ahead and come up. And um, during this time of worship, uh, I want you to have an opportunity to just come before Jesus and express that desire to him that you want to be with him. Acknowledge the fact that he wants you and that you want him. Express that desire to him that you don't just want to be his hands and feet, that you want to be with him as you are his hands and feet. Because the truth is, Jesus doesn't need us to be his hands and feet. He wants you to be his hands and feet. Why? So he can spend time with you in a different way. Um, right now, the band is going to start uh, playing. But I also want to let you know, like, if you, for some reason, feel like maybe you've neglected Jesus, maybe you've sort of put him on the back burner because of service, because of um, maybe sin, because of distractions, um, we have a prayer team in the back who would love to pray for you um, during that time. Um, or you can just come one-on-one -on -one before the Lord and express your desire to make him your one thing. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, um, you are above all things. You are high and mighty. You are God, and you humbled yourself all because you wanted us. You came to us. You pursued us. You ran after us, Lord, so that we could be with you. Lord, so I pray that during this time of worship that we would be able to express our desire to be with you, to make you our priority, to make you the one thing that consumes us. Lord, I pray that if any of us in here have made other things our priority, God, that we would confess that and turn back to you and give you the worship that you deserve. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.